0: Welcome to the Avail podcast, where we dig deep and talk about the art of leadership. My name is Virgil Sierra, and today we're sitting down with Brent McCorkle. Brent is a jack of all trades filmmaker, composer, editor, producer, and writer. Brent's films, such as Woodlawn and I Can Only Imagine, and The Upcoming Jesus Revolution, are known for their heartfelt and visually compelling storytelling. Today, Brent will be sharing about his church upbringing, leadership in the world of film production, as well as talking about the new 2023 movie, Jesus Revolution. So lean in, leaders, and let's get started. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Avail podcast, where we talk about the art of leadership, and we are privileged today to be sitting down with an awesome leader. I've gotten to know him here and preparing for this podcast, and it is none other than Brent McCorkle, uh, who has uh, ex- extensive experience in the filmmaking world. We're going to talk about that as a Christian in the filmmaking world. Uh, Brent, thanks for taking some time uh, to talk with our Avail audience. How does it feel to be here on the Avail podcast?
1: Man, it feels so great to be here. Thanks for showing me your magazine. It's all slick, and you can tell the content's really <laughs> great. And so I'm Yeah, as I was telling you before we got on, I'm big into leadership and bettering yourself as a leader. We can always grow and expand. And I guarantee you, John Maxwell is still, you know, figuring out stuff about himself today and figuring out one more thing he wants to communicate as a as a a leader of leaders, you know. And so I just I love it that you are a resource for people who want to better themselves as leaders. I think it's very important uh, in this time for sure.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks for that. It's funny that you say that because I literally at the time that we're recording this yesterday was at a conference where he was speaking, still going at it. And he was talking about the essentials and laws of communication. And, you know, thank God for people like like John Maxwell, like Dr. Sam Chand from Avail that have poured into us to learn leadership. Here's what I want to do. I I, mean, I'm 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 excited to talk a little bit about. Um, just your journey, your leadership journey in the filmmaking world, in the and cre- the creative world, and and uh, and you're a pastor's kid, uh, which which means you have a history and and kind of growing up in church. Uh, why don't we start there? Why don't we start a little bit about who about you, uh, who you are, your upbringing, and where you are today? So our Vail audience can get to know a little bit who is Brent McCorkle.
1: Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. Um, yeah. So my dad was uh, on staff in the executive branch of a large denomination and um, that, you know, he was gone a lot. He he would go out on mission trips and stuff with youth. And it was, it was cool, you know, and uh, definitely had like a traditional family. Uh, and my mom was home with us and, and was so such a loving mom. So I had, I had a pretty cool upbringing. Um, but when my brother and I were 10 and 9, my parents brought us in the living room. It's pretty dramatic, but they set us down and they're like, we have something to tell you. We're like, okay, we're getting ready to uproot our entire family and go to Texas and we're going to pioneer a church. Wow. And me and my, like, what does that mean? Pioneer a church? <laughs> I mean, my dad was like, it means we're going to start from scratch with like zero people. It's going to wow. be the four of us going to start this church. And, and, um and, you know, it was, it, it was exciting. But we left everything that we knew behind, you know, and and went to new schools, had to find new friends, you know, uh. new home and all that. Um, but one thing that happened there with my father that was so beautiful was I just saw him chasing very hard after a dream that he had and and something he was very passionate about. and i that's think good. I think that instilled something in me that was that's very deeply ingrained. but but you know, when you have passion for something, you're going to try and hit it as hard as you can. So he established his church, and it it was a church that made a difference in thousands of people's lives. And um, and it was really cool to see him actually live that dream. Uh, so so yeah, that was cool. So in Texas, I developed this really strong love for music, especially and the arts. And mm. one thing I like to brag about the church on is if you are an artist, it's a safe place to express your creativity and maybe sure. fail and fall down and trip and play the wrong chords during a worship song or <laughs> sing or be pitchy when you sing or whatever. Um, but it's a safe place with a soft landing zone uh, to hone your craft. And I don't know if there are any Malcolm Gladwell fans out there, but you know, to get your 10,000 hours in. So hmm. I became, um, I became proficient in playing piano and singing, and I uh, got to act in some dramas and got to do a lot of really cool things within the construct of the church. and And I didn't really realize how creative I was because they're encouraging everybody, you know, and everybody is creative to some degree. I really do believe that. And so, sure. uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, in and high school and even in junior high, I was leading worship and um, just playing all the time multiple services a week. And I just, I really got my hours in and and I loved doing it. And it was uh, definitely was a cool ministry uh, opportunity for me. And then uh, I fell in love pretty young. We got married young, started having kids. So I met my wife in Arlington, Texas and had all my kids there in Arlington. And um, in the middle of all that, I was working at a church as a worship leader and a a drama coordinator. And in the middle of all that, I really got the bug for filmmaking. I I was like, okay. This is it. And I had switched majors five times. I was very adrift, like a typical artist, you know? Um, and when I landed on the, on the filmmaking thing, I, my wife was very supportive. The church that I worked for cut me a deal where if I got my hours in on certain days, they let me go to school for a couple of days a week. And so that's how I did it. Um, so I went to Southern Methodist university and took as many film classes as I could. Um, didn't graduate had to jump out and uh and start working um i you know we felt that our time at the church was coming to an end and so um so yeah i jumped into full-time work in the film industry and on the weekends i was shooting dumb little short films with my friends just borrowing cameras like we didn't have money you know as i was borrowing any kind of equipment and going out with my friends and buying them fast food if they would help me you know and we started competing in all these short films and to make a long story short one of my short films made it really far in a festival. And there were some producers in the audience that saw that, saw my short and they they thought, hey, this kid has the right voice for a film that they were trying to do in Nashville. So at that point, we uprooted everything. And it's almost like a replay of my dad. You know, we sat down with the kids like, hey, this is the dream. (laughs) I may fail, I may fall flat on my face, but I give you guys, is a dad chasing after his dreams and his passions, and I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna run so hard at it that if I trip and fall down, you know, um, I may not get back up off the pavement, but uh, but maybe I will, you know. So I, I just hit it as hard as I could, and my kids were probably my biggest fans, and I really do feel like that's the greatest thing I I gave them was to show them a, a dude, you know, that's chasing after his passion and his dreams as hard as he can. Yeah. It it wasn't pretty. It it got ugly, you know, uh, multiple times, especially financially. It definitely was a starving artist, you know, dragging a family into all that. And um, so I have mixed feelings about it now, but I've, you know, checked in with my kids. and It's fine. You you know, we're, we're so proud of you for chasing your dreams. And it means a lot to us. And so that's been pretty cool. Um, but that was 2012 when I made that first movie and then the Irwin brothers saw that movie and really felt like I had a lot of talent. So they reached out and said, Hey, we should, we should work together on some stuff. And I was, I was all about it. Cause I had seen some of their stuff and it's, it was good. Um, so we started collaborating in 2014 on a movie called Woodlawn. I went on to do, I can only imagine wow. with it, uh, scored multiple projects, worked on some documentaries. And now my new project with them is, uh, Jesus revolution, which comes out February 24th, 2023. So yeah, it's just been, uh, a lot of ups and downs, you know, but, um, it definitely feels like I'm, I'm climbing on a mountain and I feel like I slip sometimes, but when I slip, I catch my footing down and I'm like, well, I've, I've really gained some altitude. So it really is that you know, you climb up 40 feet, maybe slip five, but the additive effect, the cumulative effect is yeah. You, you're on this mountain and you get higher and higher. And, and even when you slip and you look down and you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm still, I'm still tethered in. I'm still cleated in on this mountain. This feels okay. You know, so, but there's definitely failures, you know, there's, there's, there's failures uh and slips and bobbles and, and all kinds of things. And I actually embrace that. I embrace that. I, I think, um, I think we live in a culture right now where it's so curated, you know, like your Instagram's so curated and you're you're showing all your celebratory moments and you're not you're not showing real life because you're able to edit it and color it and pick the perfect shot. But we all know life's not really like that. And so so yeah, I like to talk about my failures and when things don't go go right. Um, I submitted a short film into the Sundance Film Festival. It was $75 just to submit. And all I got out of that $75 was a rejection letter. That was so hard. I was so poor, man. I was like (laughs) $75 for them to tell me, you know, your, your short's not good enough to be at Sundance, you know? So, so that kind of stuff happens all the time. You know, you don't get it. You don't win every time. You don't get your way. My, my mentor says to me a lot, said, he said dude if you want to surf you have to realize catching that wave is about five percent of the process because now you're back at the shore again yeah you got to dust it off wax it back up walk back out and paddle way back out to catch that wave again so it's this awesome cycle you know like of um uh my my 50th birthday was last week and my kids surprised me and took me skydiving but the actual jumping out of the plane lasted about two minutes but, you know, getting in the harness, getting all tethered in, like walking to the plane, the plane, like it, the plane was at such a pitch. It was so crazy. I like just kept going up. I was like, surely we're at altitude by now, you know, but it keeps going, you know. So there's this whole process. You don't, get to, if you jumped out of a plane and you just were perpetually free falling, that would get boring. Yeah. It's awesome because those mountaintop experiences are there for you to just savor that for that moment. And then you got to go back down, you know, so another, another analogy would be when you summit a really high mountain, you can only stay up there so long anyway, because you're going to run out of oxygen, you know, so, so, you know, these moments are transitory and fleeting, but it's more about the process and the journey. And that's why I would love to speak with you more about leadership, because I think, what you do with your life, what you don't do, whatever your identity is and your passions wrapped up in your vocation or your calling or whatever. To me, those are incidental to how you learn to lead and treat others. And that might be your kids or your spouse or sure. the people that you work with. But I think the biggest, the biggest gauntlet we need to throw down for ourselves is figuring out who we are and love well and treat people well with kindness love compassion and empathy and be able to flip that switch where you could put yourself Mm -hmm. in your employees when they're when they're showing up late it's a single mom she's showing up late instead of like one more time man you're canned no get curious with them like what what's going on why like my my daycare is falling apart you know you find out then you're you're in their story a totally different thing you know so um so yeah that's the kind of man i'm trying to become is uh, (laughs) the second version of that you know of that analogy so yeah yeah, that's kind
0: of that's me in a four or five minute nutshell there (laughs) so so three things came to my mind as you're talking one is woodlawn wow i can only imagine wow wow and I'm super pumped about the new movie Jesus Revolution. We're going to talk about that on the tail end of this conversation. Uh, but then the other two things that came to mind, based on what you're talking, kind of in the leadership world, is is a, a term that John Maxwell calls "failing forward." Oh yeah, uh, failing forward, which is basically what you were what you were saying, right? Like like, hey, we, we're going to fail, we're going to, but but they're not. It's not without purpose, like we're, we're, we're actually making progress, because we're, we're feeling forward. And then, and then the other word that comes to mind is resilience. And I think yep. true leaders um, become resilient in the process, because it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. But when you when you go through the hard moments, man, it makes you even stronger for, for those other moments you're gonna live out. So so this is a fun conversation because, hey, you and me are pastor's kids. I know there's a lot of uh, pastors and ministry leaders that listen in and lean in to avail, but you have an cr- interesting perspective here. You grew up in the church world. Your, your dad's a pastor. You've been in ministry. You've served in ministry. You've worked in ministry, but now you're in the filmmaking world uh, and and you're putting all these you're tying all these things together. you're also a jack of all trades because not only do you uh write, but you compose, you edit, you produce. you kind of know all the areas of filmmaking, which I think is pretty awesome and also unique so let's let's just talk about that. Let's talk about the connection of 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 your creative world in filmmaking and leadership and how those tie in how you know where do you see? leadership helping you in in this world of, of filmmaking in this world of, of being a creative um, and probably leading teams of people along the journey what, what comes to your heart what comes to your mind as you think about the heart of leading in your environment
1: yeah oh man a lot of things well up for sure um thank you for name dropping uh failing forward that was a life-changing book for me i i actually view that as less of um like a business practice or a leadership practice as him discovering um what is actually real spiritually that is tangibly yeah. spiritual, real because if you think about um uh kelsey Grammer, i got to work with him on this last movie and he's an amazing dude amazing but <laughs> I, I was talking to him and we were just shooting the bull like you do you know in between takes and he's a sailor and i didn't know that because i want to sail i want to learn how to sail hmm. so I was talking to him about the parable of when Jesus was asleep in the boat. And I said, man, I think people get that parable wrong. I think, I think what Jesus was actually doing was he was just, it's so peace and tranquil. He's so with God in that peace that passes all understanding. He was sleeping during this hurricane, you know, and then all the other disciples like wake up we're all going to die. I think really what he wanted them to understand was they could just go to sleep and it's going to be fine. Yeah. And, and so, but instead he's, he like, he's, you know, he, he, feels their fear and their anxieties and stuff. So he calms the storm for them. But that was like the incidental miracle. I think the bigger miracle he was trying to teach him was just being calm. So, so Kelsey, and just finding that peace with God, you know, so Kelsey, uh, I was telling him that he goes, I love that story. He goes, the guy that taught me, he would see a squall blowing up. He's like, I'm going to go below deck and take a nap. You just get us through that squall. <laughs> and he's like, Oh no, dude, I need you up here with me. He's like, no, you'll be fine. So the dude would, Literally go below deck and sleep during the storm, and Kelsey would be out there just trying to get them through, you know, not get them killed. <laughs> so I think um the failing forward spiritual practice is when you're in rough seas, that's when you become the sailor. Come so on. we don't understand, uh like just putting around in my sailboat on a real smooth, glassy sea with a perfect breeze, that teaches me nothing. Right what teaches me everything is when I hit the squall and I have to keep that boat, you know, going right. So it's a, it's a very strong analogy in film because you have crazy chaotic things happening every day. It's like it's threatening to actually stop your movie from being made. I mean, just giant things, you know, like a, you've got an actor shooting the next morning and they miss their flight. There's an ice storm. Like you can't even get your actor in and you're freaking out and everybody's staying up late trying to redo the schedule. And then you find out, they got him in a rent car and took him to the next, you know, and then they got a flight out of Arizona instead or whatever it is, you know? So there's always something, it seems like trying to burn down and, and it does refine you. It, it makes you into a better, more, as you say, more resilience. Uh, You know, there has to be a resiliency I think if you want to lead, but also if you just want to stay on a course that you feel like you're supposed to be on because you will derail at some point it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's bad to happen. And, so to go back to the John Maxwell analogy when you do fail when something does burn down or or come apart or explode or whatever it is it's it's less about that it's more about okay I'm in this storm right now I've got my hands on this and you know my sail is ripped what can I do okay well I still have my rudder and I know that like the last bearing they said to get out of this was whatever 192 degrees south whatever it was you know I'm not a mm-hmm. sailor yet but let's, let me just do what I can. And then it's amazing though, when you make it out of that and you look back the mortem, it's like, Oh, okay. Well, I could have done this and that. And yep. when I, the, when I, that morning I was really grumpy and I like snapped at that person. I need to actually go apologize for that and own that and know that I'm <clears throat> like when I'm in a, when I'm not my best self, I can be a little bit edgier, a little bit grumpy and I need to watch out for that you know? So I think the postmortems that you do when you do fail, when you do fall on your face, Mm -hmm. uh, I think those are the, those are the, the lessons that you need to learn to go forward and actually become better at whatever it is you're trying to do. If you're trying to lead or, you know, trying to be a better filmmaker, it's, it applies in all disciplines.
0: Yeah, that's good. Um, And it's funny because you're talking about you know, about, about these storms, I think most of us in our human nature, we want to avoid the storm. We're like the disciples. We like, we don't want a storm. Like we want, but the truth is it's in those storms where we're shaped, where we grow, where like, we want to be like those people that are farther ahead than us. And like, man, that's, but what got them there is the storms that they went through. Right. And building that resilience. So I think what you're saying is makes a lot of sense. I, I want you to touch a little bit on, um, I think there's a unique, there's a unique aspect in the world that you're in because you're leading in, in, in the midst of a lot of creatives. Um, but also, you know, you, you were kind of mentioning to me as we were preparing, there are people who do have a natural, maybe, maybe have a natural leadership bent maybe, but, but there are also people who are kind of rough around the edges and they need to be polished along the journey. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just, just how that how you've seen it uh, come to play in the world that you've been in um, just the, the process of a leader really developing and being polished. You don't want to miss this month at Avail, or any month for that matter. Why? Because each month, the Avail Online Leadership Series happens, a live call with leaders from around the world who have a passion for God and key leadership insights to impart to you. Interact with authors, pastors, and influencers from every industry. And the best part? It's free! To get registered right now, head over to theartofleadership.com. What are you waiting for?
1: Yeah. Um, this is a bit of an incendiary remark, but uh, when you direct, especially you're leading leaders and these people want to know you're giving them a chunk of the sandbox to play in or, yeah. or they're not going to have fun. They're not going to do their best work. Cause you're, Hey, just do this. do that, And you're like, you, you've got them kind of a monkey marionette, you know, right. the person you control. That's not good leadership. That's micromanagement. Mm. So it's just like building a great corporate team. Like, Get the right people in the right seats on the bus. Yeah. And the bu- or I I always use the analogy of a pirate ship. But it's like if you get every all the crew manning the things that they do well, that ship is going to go long and far and you're not going to hit rocks. And even if you did, everybody could just jump off the ship and just rebuild the ship real quick because they're so great at what they do. Mm-hmm. So I think um I think when you're leading leaders, especially, you have to pick the right people, but then get out of the way and, and let people do what they do well. And, and it is your job to lead. And if there's a problem, you know, obviously step in and, and course correct. But if it, if it totally fails, you really need to go back and look at yourself because you probably put the wrong person on the bus right. or you put them in the wrong seat and mm-hmm. you have to own, them. you know, it's like, well, it's terrible. Well, bro, you're the one that, you're the one that hired them and gave them the job. So, yeah. you know, so I think, you know, for me, it's a lot of ownership too. I, I think, I think the mark of a, a leader is, uh, is ownership I, on every film. I always get a dollar bill out and I tack it to the wall behind me when people come kind of see me and they're like, what's that dollar there? I was like, cause the buck stops here. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it, whatever failures happen, ultimately it affects the, the shots that I can get the shots that I can't get uh, how people are treated, how people are not treated, all that stuff. It ultimately, lands with me as the director yeah. of the film you know so so yeah man um some people are natural born leaders like the john maxwells of the world but i guarantee if if john was in this podcast with us and i said well you're a natural born leader you're always a leader since you were a kid what kind of leader would you be now had you not started studying leadership and trying to better yourself throughout the course yep. of your life he would just say well oh, i guarantee you his answer would be i would not be anywhere near where i am today so even if you're a natural born leader yeah yeah i think maybe it's even more incumbent upon you to get better because you actually have the raw materials and now it's your it's it's your um responsibility the onus is upon you to (laughs) like make make yourself the best best leader that you can and that takes time and and work and a lot of pain and um and owning things when they don't go right. Um, I remember I remember. I lost a uh, – it was a 24-hour film competition in Dallas, and literally they gave you some prompts so you couldn't cheat. So you show up at midnight on a Friday night, and they're like, you have to use this dialogue, you have to use this prop, you have to use this location, and your actor has to be a certain character. Go. And you yeah. got 24 hours to shoot like a five-minute mm-hmm. short. But I remember I put the couple people in the wrong seat of the bus, and we <laughs> didn't we did not turn our movie in on time and i was so hacked oh man i was so mad like we had never not made it on the deadline and i had to go to the whole team and say guys i'm sorry it's my fault and even though even though it was uh somebody else who like just couldn't hack it they they fell asleep they couldn't like we were counting on them and they just couldn't they just couldn't pull through but ultimately i had to own that decision yeah to put that seat on the bus, and they they failed. You know, they failed, and and that's okay. But but I failed. I failed yeah. the team by yeah. those choices. So so yeah, man. I think owning it. Um, I think the John Maxwell thing of of like trying to become the best version of yourself. Yeah. Don't don't ever believe that you're there. Yeah. Because uh, I don't think you ever are. I always think there's room to grow, uh, both creatively, spiritually, um, in leadership. There's always something more that you could learn and graft on to what you're doing. And and actually I think the biggest part of that is learning how to treat people well. Because yeah. <clears throat> there's gonna be tension and conflict always yeah. in life. And and a lot of great things can come in those in those clashes. Like, especially with leaders, man. Like you, you know, you start grinding gears with somebody, but then you know you're you're frustrated, but then you're like, oh man, you know,
0: actually what they said is right. Yeah. Healthy tension. Healthy tension. That's-
1: good that's a great way to say it um i I will give you one other quick story my wife and i were both both weighted tables when we were young before we started having kids and um kim had this uh general manager and he was always espousing leadership books and so he had the stephen covey seven habits of highly he had that on his desk and it was Uh like he had like uh bookmarks in it and tattered pages and highlighters and underline and everything but it was you no, know, and he would he would definitely lead with that. He's like, well, you know, we all need to be better. Lead, you know, he would do the whole spiel, but he treated people terribly. Right, terribly. He, he he didn't model it, but he had his book. And man, my my <laughs> wife was treating people, and man, she finally walked in. And she said, you know, that book that you hold all the time, you, you're you're missing the essence of it, because until you learn how to treat people well in with your character, until you work on your character and treat people well none of this is going to adhere and stick and take you anywhere you want to go and uh she turned in her two weeks notice you know so and then she got on with better management stuff but it's just crazy right like just reading self-help books or leadership books uh doesn't necessarily change your heart attitudes and so whole spiritual practice of loving well you know uh speaking with kindness speaking truth in love um because man truth not spoken in love um it may be truth but you know it's kind of like pouring gasoline on something lighting a match just to burn it down like you could do that with truth if you wanted but that's not that's not the plan that's not jesus's way with truth jesus truth is to get a change of heart and something to turn around so so like even you know with the woman at the well and she you know she was kind of trying to lie to him he's like oh yeah well yeah the guy you're living with is not even your husband um <laughs> he spoke truth but it blew her mind because like he wasn't even supposed to talk to her you know like there that conversation wasn't even supposed to happen so he had her in a loving spot so he could speak some truth and and then she went to the village she's like you guys have to come meet this guy he just he just told me everything about my life and and he's there's something special about him you guys need to come meet him she wasn't like oh well, I'm offended, you know, she was blown away. So there's a, there's a way to speak truth in love where people yeah. hear it actually penetrates. But like, if you don't have that relationship with somebody or you're not carrying yourself in love, you're like that manager at, that my wife, you know, turned in her two weeks notice mm-hmm. on You do all the right things, say all the right things. It's just like that scripture. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's Paul's, you know, it's Paul's uh, directive to everyone. But he said, I could speak with the tongues of, men and angels i could speak in like um ethereal languages but if i don't have love i'm i'm nothing i'm just the oftenest sound and so i think it's leadership ability and leadership uh tools and all the training but if you're not backing it up with an actual love for god and for humanity love for your people um then you're completely missing the point and it's not going to work so
0: it's kind of, that's kind of where I'm living these days, at least. Yeah, that's good. You know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing in that aspect, you know, truth without love is harsh and love without truth is actually unloving because when I love you, I speak truth. Um, um, you know, you're also talking about as a leader, it's not just important what you do. It's also important who you are and, uh, and how you do it. Um, I think this is this, these are huge lessons. I wanna I wanna hit the final stretch here, uh, and I really want to talk about the new movie that's going to be released February of twenty twenty three, Jesus Revolution, and I want to connect it with something that you mentioned, which is just kind of hey, you're a leader, uh, and you're and you're specific, you leader, you're a, you're a believer, you're a Christian, and you're you're kind of in Hollywood so to speak. You're you're in the the filmmaking world. And, and you're doing like, you're doing some great things, but, you, you also connected to your Christianity, right? Which, which, is, which is more than just religion. It's actually kind of purpose in life. And I know you've mentioned the key word multiple times that, that, that seems to resonate with you, which is bringing love, like bringing love back to the center. So let's talk a little bit about this, this new project, uh, which is about to be, you know at the time of this recording, we're approaching release date. Uh, Jesus Revolution is the movie. Talk to us a little bit about that and how that connects to you know, your purpose and, and your heart as a Christian in the filmmaking world.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. Um, so, Jesus Revolution is about this crazy true life event that happened in 1969. All the hippies had done all the free love, uh, all the hard drugs, all the rock and roll, and they had burnt out. Um, mm. They had gotten to the end of all of it, and there was still no meaning. They never really found what it was they were looking for. But what was so beautiful about the hippies at the time was they had ejected out of a very materialistic plastic culture, like the keeping up with the Joneses and the, the house and the mortgage and the white picket fences. And they saw really kind of the unhappiness of their parents, even though their parents kind of got everything they wanted. They just viewed it as fake and just this facade that, that mm. didn't speak to them spiritually. So a lot of these kids that ejected and became hippies, they had a point. <laughs> and they're like, no, man, we want our lives to be about peace and love and hope. And including everybody and they just kind of went off and did their thing now their social experiment failed to a large degree sure but their idea the mountain that they were trying to climb was good so we find our main cast of characters in 1969 where all these hippies have burnt out and are just adrift and not knowing what to do because they thought they had found it and they really hadn't and so um so there's a square of church pastors in, in Southern California named Chuck Smith, and his church is dying. He's got like 20 people going to church, and he's preaching kind of the the classic doom and gloom uh, Christianity of the time. <laughs> because you know, Quite frankly, in 1968, in the late 60s, people thought the world was ending, not just yeah. Christians who believed in um, literal revelation. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody thought the world was ending. You had... You had uh, the Cold War at its height. You had the Cuban Missile Crisis. You had multiple assassinations across the political spectrum. You had Vietnam. You had state troopers actually gunned down our own students at Kent State. I mean, there was some dark stuff happening, all yeah. the civil Rights movement. I mean, it was super dark. It was a dark time for our country, and it was, um, it was very divided and very filled with hate and divisiveness, much like today. Mm. And so um, – So Chuck through these crazy events uh, through these crazy events meets a Christian hippie street preacher. And Chuck was down on the hippies. He's like, you know, I don't think they can be helped. I don't think they can be saved. I'm just writing them off. They're just, they, they they need to take a bath and go home. And um, at that point he meets this hippie preacher and the hippie preacher says, Hey man, this generation that you're just casting out that you don't believe in, they're actually looking for God. And if if there was a safe place for them to land in church, this would all be looking really different. And so Chuck, over a series of time, accepts that call and starts allowing hippies just to come as they are into the church. And that's really where the movie takes off, is these two disparate groups of people coming together and finding this place safe place of belonging and togetherness and Christian love under this banner of like Chuck's church, Calvary chapel, you know, like he, he allowed that to happen much to the chagrin of his like very staunch, uh, Christian leadership. They didn't want the hippies to come in. So he was constantly like trying to override them and do what he really feel like God was calling them to do. So that's Jesus revolution in, in, in a, uh, in a nutshell. And it, it spawned probably the greatest, spiritual awakening in north america uh, and that was you know 1969 to 1972 in southern california but what was what we didn't have time to do in our movie is it actually happened all over the country it was happening uh all over north america and actually even in europe um and i believe in australia it was happening in the catholic church there was just this this like giant awakening but it was definitely this call back to love and uh the hippies actually Kind of lit the lit the fuse because they're like we're just looking for peace hope and love and they it ultimately kind of ended up bending the way christianity was going back to like a peaceful more loving version of it as well so they're they're you know watching chuck see how the hippies loved each other like had it like you know, they all like rubbed you know like all the fabric rubbed against each other and made this beautiful new thing you know it's pretty cool
0: Yeah. It sounds like it's that man. I'm excited about it. I think for all of our uh, avail listeners out there and viewers, you're going to want to watch this movie Um, depending on when you hear this podcast or watch it on YouTube. um, You're going to, you're going to want to make sure you go see this movie. Um, I imagine Brent, I imagine, you know, being a part of the process, right? How much kind of what role did you play in this one? I know in some movies you've done a lot of the roles what was your role in this one as we kind of get to the final stretch here what was your what was your role in this movie I,
1: i'll say one thing really quick before we do that but um you said woodlawn wow i can only imagine wow wow i i have a feeling you might triple the wows on this one yeah. i i think i really do feel like it's the best one we've done so uh, you know i'll let you be the judge but anyway i'm we're so <laughs> and proud of this movie everybody worked really hard on this movie i co-directed with john irwin it was john irwin's original idea and he wrote the mm-hmm. script with another buddy and i came in and just brought my thing to it so john's used to working with other directors so he and i directed the film together and then i composed all of the music for the movie and i oversaw uh all the post-production and the, and the edits and that kind of thing so i did a little bit of editing on it too but i didn't take a credit for it i had an amazing editor um, and, uh, so yeah, man, I just, I, I feel like, um, it's like the leadership. stuff we're talking about like, you just, it's an overwatch. Like I'm just, I'm watching over this whole thing and, and caring about it deeply and leading all the, all the team. Cause, uh, it is a very collaborative sport. It is a, it is a team effort. And so you know, you're leading all these teams and these wonderful people, uh, on this journey to get the, the film made. So, yeah, so that's what I did on this one
0: very very cool hey um i think there's a lot of people leaning in who knows who knows what leaders ministry leaders or christians who maybe have a passion for the arts that might want to learn a little bit more about you or how to how to connect with you or follow you what are the best ways that people can connect with you online
1: i love my instagram so it's just brent mccorkle b-r-e-n-t-m-c-c-o-r-k-l-e that's my handle it's that's also my handle on facebook And then uh, we have contact forms on my website. So that's just brentmccorkle.com. So those are are probably the three best ways to get a hold of me.
0: That's cool. Hey, everybody, I want to make sure if you haven't seen Woodlawn, or I can only imagine they are great, great movies that I highly recommend uh, with great values, you know, as as Christians, but done with so much excellence. I can't wait for Jesus Revolution. I can't wait to see it, to take my family, to invite people to in my church to see it, because uh, it's great to have resources that are that have great values that 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 are God honoring, but that are that are excellent. I love that. Speaking of that really quick, let me just mention the avail journal, everybody out there. If you are listening or watching to this podcast and you have not yet subscribed, the first year's on us. We'll give you four avail journals for free. It'll be on us. Just go to availjournal.com where you can claim that offer. Uh, the avail journal is just a Christian leadership magazine that is highly, highly excellent, uh, just like Brent and what he's doing uh, for for the kingdom and in this world in the name of love. Uh, I love that. It's important to get resources and grow. Brent's been mentioning that just that you got to better yourself and improve yourself. The avail journal is something is a resource going to help you on that journey. Brent, as we wrap things up, uh, I want you to leave something just, just on the hearts of all of our, of of our avail leaders who are leaning in right now. What's on your heart? What would you say as a, as a leader, as a Christian leader, what encouragement would you give them today?
1: There's an old hymn that was written in the sixties. Um, and they the some viewers would know we are one in the spirit uh and it's a beautiful little little hymn but the guy who wrote it um actually pulled from history and in the first and second century of christianity people outside of the church outside of these people following jesus would say look how these people love each other this is mm. incredible and so his refrain in that in that in the song is they will know we are christians by our love because that was evidenced in the early church and i just really feel like we should get back to that because right now there's a lot of people espousing christian views very loudly but it's without it just seems like it comes across without love and so as you said uh truth without love is harsh it doesn't get you anywhere it it hardens hearts you know but like if people really knew that you were speaking truth into someone's life because it was generative from your heart that the love of in your heart that comes from God, it's like, yeah. it can't help but like become effusive and pour out to the people around you. Mm. Then you are going to attract a crowd, man. People are going to be like, I want, I want what you have. This is beautiful. But if you're, if it's just harsh, if it's just harsh truth mm-hmm. without a loving heart behind it, it's not going to do anything. And so, so I love that old, that old hymn. So whatever you're doing to better yourself and, you know all the John Maxwell stuff and looking at yourself in the mirror, all that's all that's great and it's huge. And I do it all the time, and I, I that's a huge part of my life. But if I'm not working on the love and the peace of God, like being cultivated in my own heart, my own life, where it's pouring out into how I treat people, then that stuff's not gonna gonna help me too much. So yeah, that that's the I guess that's the
0: piece I would try to leave with everyone. That's where I'm living right now, at least. <laughs> Boom! That's it, everybody. You got it. Uh, an encouragement nugget from Brent McCorkle. Brent, this has been awesome. Um, we really appreciate your time uh, pouring into us as leaders, uh, giving us a little bit of a scope of of your world and and how God is using you in this season to to make an impact and make a difference. Um, I just want to mention on behalf of Dr. Sam Chand, Martine Van Tilborg, our Avail leadership team, we honor you and we're proud of you and we're thankful for the work that you're doing.
1: Thanks, man, dude. I appreciate that. It's so great to hang with you and uh, get to talk to another
0: another PK. <laughs> it has been fun. Hey, everybody, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Avail podcast with Brent McCorkle talking leadership in the creative world, in the filmmaking world. Uh, and we find the testimony of another, another Christian, another a kid who grew up in church because he's a pastor's kid, who's using his life to make a difference through the giftings, talents and passions that God has given him. And you and I can do the same thing, just like he said, in the name of love. Uh, On behalf of the Avail podcast, my name is Virgil Sierra, lead pastor of Vertical Church, Iglesia Vertical in South Florida, and your host for these weekly podcasts that talk about leadership and the art of leadership in this world we're living in. God bless you. See you next time right here on the Avail podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Avail podcast with our guest, Brent McCorkle. You can connect with Brent on Instagram and Facebook and by going to brentmccorkle.com. For more leadership resources, check us out at theartofleadership.com. Make sure to claim your free annual subscription of the Avail Journal at availjournal.com. And if you'd like to connect to our growing leadership community on Facebook, visit availleadershipconnect.com. As always, I'm your Avail Media host, Virgil Sierra. Muchas gracias. Thank you for connecting with us to learn the art of leadership here at the Avail Podcast.